This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day SF listeners and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As you already know, this is episode 63 and I'm going to be sitting down and talking with Jack Weymouth-Smith. Now Jack lives out in Western uh, Riverina. He's mainly based around river systems. So when it comes to the style of fishing that he does, he does a lot of fishing on the Murrumbidgee River and some other local rivers in the area. But because he hasn't got the dams accessible to him. Most of his fishing has been on river systems and we talk more about that in this episode. So a couple of things we do touch on is we mainly chat about our river systems. We talk a little bit about his experiences on some other lake systems, but we do talk about rivers and in particular the Murrumbidgee River out west, how it flows, how it fishes, the different techniques he uses, but these techniques can also be applied to any other river system. We talk about clarity, how to use hard bodies, the difference between hard bodies and spinnerbaits and why Jack has found a difference in the style of lure changing the size of the fish that he catches. So these can be applied to any river system that you fish. There's hundreds of rivers throughout New South Wales, Victoria, and Queensland, even South Australia uh, in this beautiful country. And these techniques, even though he uses them on his section of the Murrumbidgee River, you can use them on other rivers as well. Now, this section of the river is a smaller waterway. So it's halfway sort of between sort of like a small river or a large creek sort of size waterway. Those techniques that we talk about they're the kind of scenario that we're looking at. It's smaller water, which is really good because we haven't had much of that on the podcast before. And it's great to be back talking to you once again with another episode of the podcast. And we have a few more coming up in the next few weeks. It's been a busy period for us. We've been creating heaps of content, article, video content, all on our membership platform. So if you guys want more, if you listen to the podcast, but it's just not giving you enough, you want more, you want more techniques, tactics, you want videos, explanations, you really want to dive into the world of freshwater fishing, I highly recommend you jump on our website, socialfishing.com.au, explore all the articles we have there. We have something called the mini series, the freshwater mini series, put a lot of time and effort into that series and that is a really good starting point if you are just getting into freshwater fishing. It's completely free, all you have to do is put in your name and email, sign up to that series and you get four, there's four videos in the series. If you are beginning with freshwater fishing or if you're trying to take that next step, you're catching fish but not quite putting the pieces together, we share so much in that from your gear to your lures. Three different species, Murray Cod, Golden Perch and Trout and we also look at techniques on rivers and impoundments for all the species involved. So really, really good series. Go check that out. That is the Freshwater Mini Series and it is available at socialfishing.com.au and then the next step from there, if you want to learn more, make sure you check out our membership platform. It is a community-based platform. It is growing incredibly fast. We have so many awesome anglers in there who just want to take their fishing to the next level. They also just want to learn from others and be a part of this growing freshwater community that we are building that is the social fishing membership go check it out guys if you want more but without further ado let's jump into this episode with the one the only jack waymouth smith Guys, welcome back to another episode. It's been a few weeks since I've sat down for a chat, but I have Jack on, mate. Thanks for joining me for a chat. 
Hey, Rose. Yeah, thanks for having me. Those who don't know you, haven't seen your content, oh, obviously social media is big these days, so a lot of us find out about everyone through social media. What's your Instagram tag so while people are listening, they can jump on and have a look through some of your photos because we're going to be talking about some pretty cool stories about Big Cod and I'm sure they're keen to see some of the pics while they're listening, but what's your tag on Insta or your um, name? Let me have a quick look. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it, it. It is... Um, Jack Smith, but with three Ks, so J-A-C-K-K-K, Smith 96. Nice. How long ago did you make that? Oh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, 10 years ago, maybe. Love it. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, I'm keen for this chat, mate. Um, can you tell us a story, because we'll get on to a few other topics. Our main topic, we'll sort of be talking about the Murrumbidgee, because that's where you're based. We haven't talked a whole heap about that on podcast episodes, and I've got a couple of other river things I'd be keen to ask you, but just tell us, like I do with every episode, um, tell us your story. Where did it all start? There's some stories interesting, some are not so much, but just tell it as it is, mate, how fishing started for you, how you got into it, why you enjoy it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, well, look, I'm 25. I live out in Riverina, New South Wales. Um, work for an irrigation company. Been with them for seven years or so. So what does that involve? Uh, so it's just all water delivery. So making making sure um, farmers get an accurate water. Um, it's a automated system. So uh, radio communication, making sure they're all up to scratch and yeah, just deliver water to farmers. So. Day to day, what do you do? Do you go? Is it an office job, or are you sort of on the road? How does how does that work? Yeah, it's probably about eighty percent office, eighty percent out in the field. So okay. we get in, we get in the morning, we go into the office, um, monitor any alarms that have been going on during the night. Yeah, um, can be anything like from flat batteries, or we even get ants that get into our flame gates, so we have to get rid of them. Um, and then yeah, we just checking flingates, making sure they're accurate for the farmers. Yeah. The MIA is pretty big, so for those who don't know, it's a massive system, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Huge. So um, you are just you just work on a small part of it, out obviously, where you're based? Yeah. So ours is a private-owned one. We're polyambly irrigation. Oh, uh, okay. Righto. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're a different part from MI. Righto. Um, but yeah, it's still pretty big. It was the first automated system in the world, I'm pretty sure. That's where you're based, and then how did fishing? Has fishing always been a part of your life? Um, yeah, pretty much. Like probably same as what everyone else says. Like as long as I can really remember, I remember the first time I caught a fish. I was down the coast. I can't remember really where. I was a young fellow, would have been four or five, and um, just fishing off the beach. And I remember catching a. Don't think I think it was a brim maybe, and um, yeah, I remember running it back to mum in a bucket, proud as punch. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that's, I've been hooked on that since. And then you're, um, were you born and bred out there? Yeah. 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 So you know that part then, of the world pretty well. Yeah, I do. So yeah, from there on in, I used to sneak fishing into bloody everything we done. Um, family holidays, going to cricket on the weekend. That used to be a good one. I'd... Um, we used to drive past the irrigation channels, which yeah. now I work on, and um, I'd always go to Dad, but he looks like a good day, doesn't it? And he'd go, yeah, yep, yep. And I said, oh, wish I had the fishing rods. He goes, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take you if I had the rod. 
and then I'd be like, oh, I've packed it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And so, that, you're like only yeah. little then? Yeah, I would have only been 12, 10 yeah. or 12 then. Yeah, good. Same, same with a family holiday. Um, we went over to Tassie. Yeah. And um, I snuck a little extendable rod into my suitcase. Yeah. And then the whole family holiday, I was just pestering them to pull up and go fishing and not sick of me by the end of it. Yeah, that's funny. As <laughs> I went to, I went on a Tassie trip when I was younger too. What Did you catch many while you were there? No, nah, I caught bugger all. Yeah. A couple, um, they got me to do a fly fishing lesson. That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, just in the stock dam, we caught a few trout, but yeah, yeah, cool. And then, so from there, it's just evolved. Did your fishing take a bit of a turn, like everyone, when you got your license, and then you spent a heap of time um, over the what, yeah. last five or seven years around home? Yeah, well, that was it. Um, I really didn't get out too much. Like Dad used to take me out the channel, and we used to just catch carp on corn. Done that for years. I used to love it, and then. Um, one of mum's mates we were right into fishing. He was a bait fishing fisherman, um, Stucco. Yeah. And um, he, he took me out from probably ages 14 to oh, maybe 18, 20. Yeah. And he is the one that pretty much got me right into fishing. He showed me everything. Lure um, aspect of fishing, you mean? Nah, it was all bait fishing. Okay. Stucco pretty much. Yeah. Yep. He um, used to take me out body grubbing, um, taught me all how to do that and, We'd go bait fishing every every weekend, and then as more I more got into lure fishing. Um, yeah, once I got my license and I could get out the channel, yeah, just started learning how to cast around the channels and catch fish, and she kind of took off from there. Yeah. So those those channels, there's a lot of them out that way. Do they, yeah. to your knowledge, because I'm sure you fish more than just one, but you've probably got one or two that fish really well, but do they all have natives in them and they all fish reasonably well or are there some that have completely no fish and then some that do or do they have to be stocked into the channels or do you know much about sort of more than just the channels around you? Do you know how that works? Because I know there's ones up around Narendra, they've got fish in them. Um, yeah, are they, are they fishing all of them? Yeah, well, ours, ours are a bit different. Ours is proper irrigation channels, so some of them are only like five to ten meters wide. Um, but yeah, most like most of the main ones that have high flows, they um love fishing them. Yeah, that that's just like fish naturally coming from the river, making their way down. Yeah, like we don't do any stocking in that because every year we drain every channel and do maintenance on them. Yeah, so the fish so. just follow the flow. They can get in and out. Yeah. Oh, they don't really get out. They get stuck in holes. And right. Yeah. Saving and whatnot. So you're saying those channels are big channels, like the ones, the main ones, kind of like the ones around Narendra, um, those bigger, wider ones that you could almost not even cast across sort of size? Yeah. Yeah, that, them ones are the main ones that hold most of the fish. But I have caught them, like down right near in Colliambly. There's a couple of smaller channels through here and, when I was a young fella, I used to get dropped off out there and I caught plenty of like what I thought was big back then, like 50, 60 centimetre cod. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'd all be full of carp, obviously. Yeah, full of carp. <laughs> yeah, can imagine. Good fun growing up though. You would have caught them as a kid growing up, plenty of them. 
Yeah, yeah, plenty of them. Just, nice. Yeah. So then it grew from there. And what's the last? So you've done a fair crack of fishing over the last few years. Where's that sort of taken you? Is it only been around home or have you done a fair bit on the road? Yeah, no. Most most of my fishing has been around home. Like I, 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 years ago, I used to get over to Mawala a bit. Um, that's where I kind of kind of met up with Aaron Cutterfire Lewis. Yep. Um, still to this day, that's me PB. He he threw me a 130 mil mud honey, and um, I went out there and banged the 116 on it at Mawala. So yeah, at Mawala just casting in the shallows. Yeah, good. Um. Yeah, so I've kind of been stuck on his lures ever since then. That was that was years ago. That would have been probably six years ago. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. And then, so tell us about, um, let's have a chat about the Bidgee. So the Murray Bidgee, for those who don't know, it's quite a big system and it changes a fair bit from the section that I'm familiar with, which is kind of below Burrinjuk through to Gundagai, through to Wagga and then Narendra. Then once it gets to Narendra, it runs through to uh, Yanko Weir and then it runs through to Gigeldry Weir. And at those points, they actually send a lot of the water off down channels um, and the river gets heaps smaller. Like if you compare the river from Narendra to below Gageldry, it's completely different, isn't it? Yeah, so much different. It's, uh, yeah, just sandy, long squeeze up. And then it runs all the way through to um, Hay, where then it weirs up again, and then it's pretty skinny all the way out uh, through Maud as well, and there's another weir out there. So tell us a little bit about the fishing through that way. Um, what's it fish like in the summer, the winter? What's the kind of system like, and how how do you fish it? Because there's a lot of water out there, um, and obviously it's been pretty tough of late, hasn't it? Yeah, we've had a bad run with the high rivers and dirty water, so I haven't done a lot in it this year. But um, yeah, like previous years, uh, April May have seemed to be the best best months for down below the weir. Um, Irrigation season starts to slow down, so the water orders drop off. Um, and yeah, that's when it gets low, gets clear. You can, um, you need a need a hobie or a kayak to get in. And um, yeah, I just do drifts, drifting yep. down, and just casting hard bodies, pretty much. So you float from like point A to point P. You don't sort of, because then you got to paddle. You waste a heap of time going back up. Yeah. Yeah, it all depends. If I'm solo, I'll I'll work up and then fish all day up and then just do a big drift back down to the car. Yeah. But um, if I can organise it with a mate, yeah, we'll drop a vehicle down, maybe the next reserve down and do a drift. Yeah. And then you were telling me you were telling me before that it's that skinny. So when it is low, even when it's high, say it's sort of medium flow, you still would struggle to get a boat around or it's sort of a small tinny sort of system like you wouldn't get a big boat up and down the river when it's sort yeah of... yeah yeah you definitely would get your boat through there it's yeah like i was saying to you earlier like there's lots of times i struggle to get through my back yeah dragging through 20 or 30 meters of logs just getting to the next pool a kayak through 20 <laughs> so what are you doing yeah. dragging it over logs under yeah, logs? up over logs yeah that's crazy. So, what do you do? Strap all your gear in, or just have you got it yeah, set up so you can do I that? Like, I don't really take too much. I only just take a box of lures, maybe five, ten lures, and 
and a one rod. So yeah. I haven't really got too much in there. I just pull the feed out of the hobie and just go and drag it. <laughs> How many times on average would that happen in a trip? Like it's more than once? Like you do it all day? Uh, yeah, like dragging through sandbars. Yeah, you do that bloody every bend. 10 times in a day, yeah. Yeah. Easy. Um, and then, yeah, there's plenty of times where logs are just cutting the cutting it off so you have to get up over the top of them yeah that's cool so talk us through what it gets like so you're saying it gets low it gets clear and then what techniques because there's other systems that get the same even the bidgey up where we are i know the lachlan lachlan's a different sort of system but it gets really low and (coughs) be a similar style of fishing um the golden in victoria as well so what is it kind of like do you find yourself because yeah, the flow's reduced, do you do you care really where you cast on the log in terms of upstream or downstream? Where you kind of work the entire log? Are your go-to's hard bodies or spinnerbaits or your top water? How do you kind of pick apart a system that's like really really low? Yeah, um, well, back in the day, it used to just be spinnerbaits. Um, I couldn't catch a fish on a hard body to save my life. It was, <laughs> I probably had two or three seasons of just spinnerbaits and. I caught some good fish. Like, I think me, me first good cod was a 97. That was in the Bidgee and that was on a spinnerbait. Um, it actually snapped me rod mid-fight. I must have been going a bit hard in my days. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, like, caught, like, a lot of 90s and that and never really got that metery and I was wondering what I was doing. And then, actually, like, Lego head lures, like Tom and Dean. Yeah. I used to always see their photos and videos and go on, buddy, they're catching a lot of big fish and always saw that it was on hard bodies. So I just took hard bodies out one day and banged 90 straight up. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then, so once I'd done that, um, I actually started making a couple of my own lures and I banged a 104 in the river. So it was your first metery and it was your own, your own lure? Nah, 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 that was my first river midry. Right, yep. yeah, on your own yep. lower. Yeah. That's still pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, keep going, and then from there you continue so, yeah. to use them? Yeah, from there on, like, probably me, oh, what am I up to? I think I'm up to 12, 12 meteries now or something. And, yeah, most of them have been on hard bodies ever since. So, how um, do you fish... The hard body. What's the difference? Tell me why you. What, what do you think is the difference between a hard body and a spinnerbait? And is it the way you fish it, or is it the lure itself and how it fishes? And then how do you pick apart like a log or a bank with a hard body? Yeah, well, I think when when the river gets low, like what we're talking about, you can really like zone in on where the fish is sitting. So a lot of the times, there's not much water there, so you can kind of pick where. He should be sitting on the log. I usually target the upstream side. Yeah. And I've noticed a hard body must just, it's a little bit bigger than a spinnerbait. Um, I find that they don't get snagged up as much as spinnerbaits. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you, I usually just work the front side. I don't do many casts, probably four or five casts to the front side. And then if he's not there, I'll try the back side but, um, and then move on. I don't usually get stuck on the log. I just, keep searching for new water usually hit you on the first or second cast anyways yeah and then so, yeah, do you find they're easier to fish too and you can fish them quicker than a spinnerbait yeah i do you can you get that reaction bite with them 
um, and when the river's low like that, you can um, fish them right down along the log. Your lure's not getting sucked away, so it's, you're keeping it in the zone the whole time. Yeah. And, yeah, it seems to work well. Spinnerbait still, like, uh, last year or the year before, I got, I got a huge one. It was, like, it was a 109, but it was the fattest yeah. on a court. And it, it, was, it was on a spinnerbait. Yeah. But um, here's a weird fish, so yeah, that's a okay. bit different. Yeah. Well, I have to agree with you. I've been using the big hard bodies on the Murray a lot, but I find them just heaps easier to fish. Like, you can put a cast in even if it's past the log you can rip it down real quick like you can wind it quick and then yeah. slow it up in the key zone and then speed it up a little bit towards the end but it still stays down with the spinnerbait you, you've got to actually wait it's got to get down then you've got to roll it through slow and then if you want to wind it quicker it, it rises and it's pretty well done like i find you can fish yeah that's exactly right two yeah. casts to everyone with a spinner i don't know and yeah, there's just something about it. I think bigger fish. I think overall, if someone was to fish a spinnerbait for a whole season or for 10 seasons versus a hard body, even though sometimes a spinnerbait works better than a hard body, depending on the situations. But if you had to fish every situation <coughs> with just one, I still think the person fishing a hard body would catch bigger fish. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree there. And you, you might be able to get more numbers maybe on spinnerbaits when they're going off, but that's probably a lot of 45 to 55 centimetre cod where... You're just fishing a hundred mil hard body plus. Yeah, seem to come into a lot more bigger fish. So, what hard bodies are you running for the shallow water, and how shallow are we talking? Are we talking like two meters, maybe three meters for a deep hole, but a lot of it's like one and a half to two meters. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the hit I'm getting are in yeah one and a half. Yeah, one and a half to two and a half, maybe. Yeah, it's it's shallow. <laughs> so your hard bodies wouldn't be. Do you have to be careful that you don't use one that's got too big a bib? Because I find if you use one where the bib's too big, you end up hitting the bottom too much, and that's not ideal because cod kind of want to get up and under the lure to hit it. So what actual what hard bodies are you throwing, and are the bibs they're only shallow diving sort of models? Yeah. Oh well, I started off pretty much with the seventy-five mil orgies. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Same thing. They caught me a shit ton of nineties and whatnot. Um. I think, yeah, and no, I did get, I think I got a couple of meteries on them. And then from there, that's where I got that big one on one of Aaron's Katafaras. And how long is that? Switched over. What's that? How long's that lure? Do you know how long it is? Uh, yeah, the, the Katafara there, 100 mil. Yep. Um, they just got a, I, I usually fish the painted aluminium bib ones. Yep. They're and not super not, deep not, diving, are they? They only get to a couple of meters. Yeah, I think they're like two to four or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went on to them for a fair while and then switched back to the orgies. He um, brought out a 10-foot range. Yep. And that was dynamite there probably two seasons ago when the river got low. And, yeah, they, they cleaned up. What, 75 mil or the 100 mil? 100 mil, 100 mil uh, in the 10-foot bib. Yeah, yeah, just a good size. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they've been out. I think they've only been out two or three years in that 10-foot bib. Yeah. So they were in like a 40-foot oh, bib and a 20-foot bib or something. Right, and it's just too much, hey? Even if the little crash dives to four metres, it just doesn't fish. You can't fish it properly through that sort of... Yeah, and I feel like you, you fish it a lot slower when you've got them big bibs in because you're trying to keep them up, where with a 10-foot, you can kind of fish them 
a bit quicker and that seems to get the bite, I reckon. Yeah, because you really don't... I don't know if you've found... Like, you still want to get the lure down there, but you don't want it to be below them or, like, right down there. They'll still eat it. Yeah, like, that's right. Coming yeah. up or halfway down. And I, I don't reckon they're sitting on the bottom anyway, so... If you're fishing in two to three metres water, they might be 30 centimetres to six, like 60 centimetres off the bottom. So they're still nearly a metre off the bottom. And then yeah. you're only got to get your lure down a metre from the grab it. Yeah, because if they're hungry enough, they'll travel up to eat it. That's what yeah. I found quite a lot of too. Especially when it's low and it's clear and they're just sitting there. They um pretty well switched on. Yeah. So that's all right. So and that's the lure you've sort of been using lately, or you've, uh, you've been using the Lego head a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Recently, like, like my last movie, that one oh seven I got, it was a good fish. That come on one um one of Tom's Lego heads. Um, again, what's that? I think that's a maybe a ninety mil. Yeah. Same thing. Not a, not a big bib. Yeah. So it's perfect for that style. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That sounds good, mate. So with the clarity, do you find that the clarity can get too clear? Have you ever had it too clear that the fish get real spooky or is there a point where the bite's only in the morning or the afternoon or you have to be really tight to a log or do you find the clearer the better? Because, for example, up this way where we fish around Gundagai, Wagga, clear is good and we haven't had clear for four years or something ridiculous. Um, Yeah. But as you'd know. Um, that there's sometimes we've had it that clear, it's almost a little bit too much, and those middle middle of the day bites become tougher. We got to be real particular where you put your lure. Um, it's very rare. Um, but I was just curious: is clear is it doesn't if the the clearest session you've been on, you've still caught plenty of fish, and is clearer better, or do you catch more when it's dirty? Yeah, no, nah, the clearer the better for me down here. Um, yeah. I, I've found. Um, most of my fish so I, I went through there one day and I was looking at all the timestamps on my photos of when I caught good fish like 90 pluses mm-hmm. and when that's when the uh, river was low and clear and all of the fish came from I think it was 11.30 to 1.30 so it was like a two hour session in the middle of the day when it was the hottest right. and that's when it was super clear so I was getting down there at like six in the morning, thrilled surface, not a touch, fish surface till eight, eight thirty or something, switch over to the spinner bait or hard body and you'd fish till say ten o'clock or something. Yeah. And you might finally pick a fish up. Really? And then you Yeah, was, yeah, like it looked looking like it's gonna be a terrible day. And then you'd start picking a few like fifties or sixties up and then Come that middle of the day, that's that's when I was catching all my good fish. And that was a consistent thing, not just a one-off? Yeah, no, I was consistent over probably two seasons. Wow. So how many – so you would have done, what, four or five solid seasons um, and you're saying that that midday – have you got many good bites mornings and afternoons or it's not as good as the middle of the day? Yeah, well, like – when I look back at the photos, most of all my good fish are the um, pretty well middle of the day. Um, I was going to say, I reckon a lot of your Instagram photos are full sun. Yeah. Um, my first surface was last year. I worked hard for that. Like I hadn't got a big fish off the surface. And um, he come wading the arvo right on 
right on dark as expected with surface. But um, yeah, most most of my um big fish are come middle of the day. I think that one I got with Tom the other day it was like four thirty in the arbor or something. So it was a little bit later than normal, but it's still high sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I got. The Murray is different because we caught you catch a stack of big ones on top water early yep. and late there. But I did get one of mine, uh, that metery on the hard body that was mid afternoon. Um, yep. So it's interesting. That's real interesting. And I wonder if it's a section of river or if it's just timing. But if you've put in that much effort on top water, you're saying you've have you put in a heap of effort on top water? Yeah. Well, I was. I was, I was getting down there. Like most of my sessions, I was getting down there early and fish and surface like that i was i was dedicated to catching a big one off the top and i just couldn't do it they would never bite how many sessions you reckon you put in oh probably a good 10 or 15 before i gave up your kidding sessions really yeah and if i would have i would have got a couple of small ones a couple of small books and that but yeah bugger all what whereas if you put in that much on the murray you would have got plenty of good hit solid hits from meteries for sure, in yeah. 12 or 15 sessions, easy at that time yeah. of year. Yeah. That is crazy. And I've compared that. So let me compare that to the Gulban. Have you ever fished the Gulban? Nah, never. So Gulban's a similar but different sort of river. So it's got a lot higher banks, but it's pretty narrow like the water is out that way. It's not so, you know how the, the Bidgee's sort of a little bit wider and not wider, but still it's got a little bit of width and it's quite sandy. Um, yep. or you got your shallow, quite shallow inside bends, but <laughs> the river still feels like it's got a little bit of width, whereas the, the Goulburn, it does, it widens up in pockets, but it's a little bit narrower, higher banks, more of an irrigation channel when they're running it. But anyway, I've fished it the last couple of seasons, and from, oh, let's say 10 sessions or 8 sessions, we've had 1, 2, 3, 4 meteries on top water. Eight. Yeah, right. Eight. Shit. We haven't caught them all, but we've had four surface hits. No, five. We we had one with ET as well when we went and filmed that session with ET. We had five, we've had five. Like, how weird's that? I've and I've never. I think I've had one hit from a meter in the Bidgee up this way where I've fished since I was a kid. But then again, the way I, the fishing, what I know about fishing now has changed so much. I've never thrown two hundred mil top water, and the last few years it's just. Haven't been able to do it, but isn't that weird that you've done that there, but you do it in a different system and it would have paid off? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if fish just behave different, or if there's not as yeah. Like, is there plenty of cockatoos and... down there? Yeah, there is. They annoy the shit out of you. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. That's really interesting. So the river's been t- talk me through the last couple of seasons. What's it been doing? Just... Yeah, well, the last couple of seasons have still been pretty tough. Like, the river had been high. Um, so, it was only kind of little periods where it'd get a bit low enough to get in there or low enough and clear enough. Do you bother um, when it's high or you don't worry about it? No, I don't really bother. So, I'd go elsewhere, try and get up the Mawala or something yeah. where it's a bit steadier. So, what is your so what is your fishing look like the last 12 months? What do you do in the winter? Do you fish much in the winter? Do you fish much in the summer? Um have you been, guess, I guess you've been traveling a little bit to do a session here or there? Yeah, well, I've been pretty quiet this year, actually, because the river has been so high and dirty. I've just been waiting for it to come good. I was going to take some time off and just get stuck right in, but it never never happened. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of traveling. Um, 
like that one I got with Tom. He was that he was a good meter. I think that was my first meter for this season, actually. So that's so that's that. So you, if it comes good, have you done much through the mid to late winter period, or do you find it tough, or it's never normally low at that period because of the rain? Uh yeah, yeah, it does get low. Like even even the weird pools get low. So um, that one hundred and nine I was talking about on the spinnerbait, he was one of the fattest fish. He was, he was up above a weir pool because in winter they um, lower the weir pools to do maintenance and there's no irrigation. Yeah. So um, you can, all the logs that are exposed that you can't see during the year, you can go cast. Um, so yeah, I banged that big one up there last winter or the winter before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've got that. Um, my first surface meter, he was up there in the bidgey above the wheel, wheel pool too. Yeah. So that's kind of your winter. That's what that's what does better in winter. So did the, why do you not fish or do you fish in the water but below the weirs all the way out through um, in that lower stuff in the winter or it's normally just a bit of rain dirties it and it's just hard to get consistent clear water? Yeah, no, I do. If, it, if it's clear, it just depends on, yeah, that rain. It does dirty it up pretty pretty easily. So yeah. if, it, if it's clear, that's, that's probably my go-to spot is down below. Yeah. It's been a uh, rough couple of years, mate. Yeah, it has been. It's it's not real fun, especially when there's you haven't got an impoundment sitting right next to you that you can just go have a quick flick at like me. Yeah, that's right. Which is a bit of a bummer. So, where have you been traveling to? Have you been? You went you were at Mawala. You were one of those comps at Mawala recently. Yeah, I went and done the Cod Nationals. How'd um, that go? Didn't Talk, go. Tell us about that. Oh, I did. Didn't even. I'm not sure what we placed, but it wasn't wasn't great. We went down, done some pre fishing, and we we're cleaning up Main Connor. Um, and then comp days come, and I think we changed our strategy a bit. We kind of don't know. We just couldn't figure out what we're doing wrong. We're catching fish, but we. Need to catch legals to be right in it. We're just catching a lot of 45s and whatnot. So, um, just couldn't get the points on the board. Yeah. Um, the last day, we kind of went up to a spot that we thought that we should have been fishing and, and then four hours or something, we caught 12 fish, I think. And that was on the very last day in the last four hours. We should have been doing this the whole time. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> yeah. So how did, um, how was the whole experience though, the comp and the whole thing? Yeah, no, it, it was real good. Met a lot of good people. They were all like-minded. Sit around, have a yarn, have a beer and talk fishing every afternoon. And yeah, they're all good. They're helpful. Is that the first time you've done it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And something you'll probably do in the future? Yeah, I'll probably, probably do it every year now. Whose idea was it? Yours or Connor's? Does Connors, yeah, yeah. Wanna click me a message and see if I wanted to jump on board, and why not? Yeah, good stuff. So, what's the plan for winter? So, say the river is going to stay high, which it probably will, because it's absolutely run the banker up here. They've just opened up both dams because there's so much water and it's meant to be wet. So, Blaring's at 98 and Jucks something 90. So, which is a bummer because I don't think we're going to see a low river. So, what's your plans? For the winter, not a heap of fishing, or will you travel a bit? Um, yeah, well, I've actually taken this year off footy, so that was, that was the whole plan was to do a heat this winter, a lot of camp and a lot of overnight sessions and just try and 
bang a fair few good ones this winter. So I'm still actually trying to figure that plan out. I'm just waiting on <laughs> what what the water's doing. So um, what do you think not, it'll do? Not, yeah, looking at the heights of Barrenjuk and Blairing, it's not looking good for the Bidgee. So the only plan there is probably up, up above the weir pools if it does clear up a little bit. Why is that? Because it doesn't flow as much? How, like, uh, even if that's high, you can still fish the weir pool? Yeah, well, the weir pool always pretty well runs at the same height, so it's yeah. just the clarity that changes up there. Right. So even even if it's super high down below where I'd like to be fishing, the weir pool should still be the same height, just a bit more current. Yeah. So sometimes that fires them up, so a bit more current, you can get into bite but um yeah it's just the clarity will be the issue yeah how far is the murray for you um probably closest is tokemore so that'd be like an hour and a half so, so it's not too far but is that a party plan there. or not yeah it, it is like i've never fished there so it's worth the check out but yeah still trying to figure out where i want to go i'm not too keen on impoundments like i like lake mawala but it's going to be drawn down and it's probably going to be packed so yeah it's not my scene i like to be out by myself or with a couple of mates yeah yeah um, you got some thinking ahead of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately hopefully so, we go back into not so bigger rains because this flush those fish will be on fire the year it does like if next year is the year i think the first year of covid was epic low flows wasn't it or so yeah that it was yeah and then now we're out of covid it's all rubbish but say <laughs> next year say next year we don't get so much rain after like two years of flows they will be fat angry oh super it's happy. gonna be it's gonna be crazy yeah because i yeah. remember i remember the millennium drought so you know, 2000, 2010, I started my fishing in the Bidgee from like 2000 and like proper with lures from like yep. 2008, 9, 10, sort of 2010 really kicked it into gear because I was 16 then. So I yep. sort of started when the flows come back up. Like I, I remember fishing a season or two where it was just always low. Like it was just low, low, low. But I remember fishing with a few blokes and talking to them and they said it got tough to the point where, because it, it was low for 10 years, the fish yeah, weren't happy. Okay. They just weren't happy. And then that big water, that lot of water come through and I sort of learnt to fish in high flows. So I learnt to fish because 2010 was the flood, then 2012 and I was really learning then. So I learnt to fish really high flows and that's why spinnerbaits were the go-to and it was never low, low. But then when it was, yep. when it finally did come low again, say like 2014, 15, um, the sessions were epic because I remember we've had some epic sessions in 2014, 15 and 16 because they were just so happy after getting a couple of years of water. Yeah, yep. So it should happen if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for that. It's coming, but... It takes another, it's going to be another 12 months because it's meant to be happening right now, early May. Yeah. Even if it steadies up enough and clears up enough this season, I reckon it should fish well. Like, I haven't been on the Bidgee for probably, what's that, like 12 months properly. Like, had a proper good session on there. Yeah. And I don't think many, I don't think many people have, like, down my way, anyways. Yeah. So they haven't seen a lot of lures and had a lot of action, I don't reckon, in the last 12 months. No. So. 
it should fish well if it just get the chance to get out there when it does clear up. So what's your thoughts on opinion, sorry, your opinion just as a general rule for rivers, not the Bidgee on its own because you've fished other spots, but what's your general, I don't know you touched on it earlier, on clarity. I know you said you love it clear. Is it just a, like you personally have found you fish in dirty conditions, you catch nowhere near as many as in clear? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's confidence of not fishing my lures right, but yeah, I, I like clear. What I is to clear catch a lot more. for you? What do you want to be able to see as a good, like a, it's a starting point that's okay, it's, just, like it's clear enough to start giving it, like putting my time in. Like how far on your rod tip do you want to be able to see into the water or your lure? Um, Probably a good 200 mil. Right, okay. So like half a foot. Yeah, but, uh, that, that I'm keen enough then. But if it's a foot or getting closer to like 300, it's that's good? It's go time, yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. Let's take a few days off work and get stuck in. Um, what is – you talked before about you're not keen on the impairments. Run us through that. Have you done much in impairments? Nah, I haven't. Um, I've been to Blairing twice. Um, went there or – how long would that be? That would have been maybe seven years ago. I actually met up with you. You gave me a soft plastic. Did I? Um, yeah, you did. Me and a mate, Tom White, we went down there and uh, we got a couple of furies off you way back in the day. I and, have um, no... Well, on the boat or...? No, nah, I think we met you at the Maccas or something. Wow. Just on the side of the road. Yeah. Well, I have no yeah. recollection of that. I remember I've <laughs> yeah. dropped a couple of lures off to people swinging through. Did I, he organise it? Um, no, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah, how long ago? Six years ago or something? Yeah, at least. So let's go back Yeah, I'd to, say six. That's that 2016. That would have been the year it was real good up there when everyone just yeah. started doing it because we did it the year before. In 2015, yep. and there was not a soul at blaring. There was absolutely not a soul, and we started catching on plastics. And then 2016 was a good year. Yeah, that's when it would have been. So six years ago. There you go. Small world. I yeah. don't even remember that. <laughs> well, it wasn't good for us. <laughs> <laughs> blaring. Yeah, we fished. Yeah, no, we fished. Oh, we done a fair chunk into the night, but not a touch. And then we went back to bed, got up early, done a. Good session in the morning. I think we fished. I think we've done two days for not a touch. So I said I would never go any back better. there. It makes you feel any better. Yeah. I still do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it with impairments. Once you figure them out, there's probably a bit of a difference how you fish it and a bit of confidence. But... Yeah. So you said you'd never go back and you haven't? <laughs> no, I did. I went back again. Oh, and you then did? I got another donut session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's pretty hard though when you are. How far are you? What's the what's a trip to Blaring? Four hours. Uh, well, I'm about three. two hours to Wagga. So what what's it from there? Yeah, hour and a half on the water. So yeah, you're looking at three and a half. So and that'd be your closest impoundment other than Mawala. Uh yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yep. So that's a fair trek. So that makes it hard. Like it's you'd never be able to you know learn how to fish yeah. one or spend too much time fishing one when you're that far. Yeah, and driving past some good rivers or yeah, yeah. Well, at the same time, you could be down the Murray or down bloody the Bidgee somewhere or yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um, Bidgee, well, the Bidgee's where I grew up, and I would pick the the style of fishing in a river. 
I would pick that every day of the week over an impoundment. But personally, that's yeah. just grew up doing it. That the art of casting, you don't need the technology. Um, there's just there's something about it. How hard they hit, they're just river fishers. Just where it's at, it's just been such a shame that I'm lucky that I've got the impoundment here to keep me sort of catching fish because the river yeah, would just be right. pointless. River's running at like fourteen thousand meg, and it's May. Yeah, I think it's seventeen thousand eggs. I looked this morning. There you go. It's even yeah. more. so because I know Blaring just decided it was low the other day. It was running at six hundred, and now they just pumped it up to like eight thousand. Coming out of yeah, it's like running a bank. That's summer flows. <laughs> just... yeah, I was thinking it was going to get low when they had the six hundred. I was like, oh, here we go. We might get a chance, but I'm pretty sure there's like eight thousand coming out of Barnjuk at that time, so it never really yeah got down. And now what's what's blaring at ninety eight percent or something? Yeah, it was ninety five last week. So it was ninety five when we caught that big one, and then I went up again on Monday night, and it I got to the spot where we put in like the dirt track i'm like it is come up but there's only five more percent for it to come up i'm like it's got to have but it's yeah 98 8 like 98.8 so it's like 99 percent. so it's full so they just it never goes off rain either that place because it's got so many impoundments above it so they just drop the water in um so yeah okay they can kind of hold the water back and then drop it in so they've just dropped it in for some reason probably something to do with power um, but yeah, because the rain's coming, when the rain falls, it doesn't really affect blaring because it's to do with if they let it out from above, whereas barren juck's the dangerous one, which is why they're always yep. pumping it out of juck because it's catchment's bigger because it's yeah. above it. Keeping, keeping a bit of leeway in it. Yeah. So they'll pump it while they can, but they must be wanting to pump blaring for some reason as well. Cause I think the dams up the top are getting pretty, um, chockers. So yeah. yes, unfortunately. So when you look for your river and fishing, how do you go about it? Like for me, I look at the river here and it only takes like a day. So like if it drops, it's clear straight away. So how does it go for you? Do you look at both dams or do you look at Wagga and then do you go right oh it takes X amount of days to get to me and then yeah. two more days yeah, to I clear do. up. So how does that work? How 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 long do you wait? So say it drops here uh, today What's your plan fishing-wise? Yeah, well, you kind of like just look at the flow. So I'll see what's coming out of the dams. Sometimes I'll shut the dams up and if it gets down to, say, three or 4,000 megs at Wagga, you're looking pretty good. So by the time it gets here and runs down some creeks and whatnot, and you, by the time it goes through the ranger, you're probably only looking at, say, 3,000. Yeah. And then probably only 2,000 by the time it gets to Gajildry. Yeah. So... And that's pretty good. I'd prefer it way lower than that, but that that's pretty good at around 2,000. I think it's around, oh, what's that, one, 1. 1.2 or something. And then the height. how long does it take, though, like from the dams or from Wagga, or do you know, or you just watch it until it – does it take a week? Yeah, it probably takes about seven days from Wagga, I reckon. Yeah. I'd, okay. I'd, like, I'd go fishing in seven days, so you'd see the flow back and ride off by yeah. – day five or six and then maybe go out on the seventh day yeah so you kind of when it gets low you kind of get excited and go sweet we're on the does the rain yeah. have to hold off does the rain can the rain ruin stuff for you out there or it kind of can piss down and it still will fish all right before the rain sort of arrives from further upstream or does the rain ruin it straight away yeah well i got a few sessions in last year where i know it was dirty at wagga but by the time it got down to me because it's still kind of low, it clears up through the sand. Right. So 
especially by the time it gets down to, say, Carrasoolway, it's running through all the sand all the way down to there because below Gajiljuri, which is up towards Leiden Way, it's yep. a long way down to Carrasool or Hay. Yeah. So by the time it gets there, it pretty well clears up. Yeah. So you have to go, cool, they've dropped the dams and you get excited, but you still got to wait. Because for me, they go, yeah. oh, it's dropped, I can go tomorrow. Or the next day. Yeah. Whereas you've got to be like, right, I wait. But then I guess the benefit is you can see it change. You're like, oh, I've got to jam in these sessions before it gets to me. Yeah. Yeah, and you can probably time it in with work. Be like, all right, I've got to take some time off next week. Everything's going to be good. <laughs> That's good as. Yeah, we can't do yeah. that. We plan a trip and the night, we have to check it the night before we go because they yeah. open the dam up and we're like, oh, she's come up. So anyway, get the boost. Get two different yeah. worlds. I guess that's a good thing too. You go, all right, I've got, you can see that dams open back up and you know you've got a week's worth of fishing, really. Yeah. Yeah. If it would just come down for you to start with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, cool, mate. That's cool. Um, so we talked a bit about the BG, a bit about river stuff, um, your plans for this upcoming season. You're still not really sure, but rivers are where it at. Do you, do you have a goal in particular or anything you want to achieve? Uh, with a different type of lure or a different waterway or is top water something that's really something you want to knuckle down on or is it just getting a good fish on a hard body because it's been so long? Yeah, no, probably top water this year. I want to bang a big one, big one off the top. Um, biggest ones that, what was it, I think is a 102 off the top on a cod cracker. Yours is the biggest? It's, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I want to get a big, big one. Was that last year, that one? Yeah, it was actually funny. I um, got him last year, and it would have been around this time last year because it was about two weeks ago. I got a Facebook memory come up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, I got that fish two, uh, a year ago. So I was like, oh, I'll go out. Went to the exact log first cast in there, and it absolutely smoked it off the top again. Hooked up, had him on, and then just spat it. When was that? Yeah, probably about two weeks ago. So you got the memory, went straight out. Yeah. <laughs> had another crack was the flow different or it doesn't matter because it was a weir uh it, it was above the weir so but it was flowing a fair bit more from the previous year and it was a little bit dirtier but, but he had a like, crack oh. that is the funniest story yeah i was like it'd be funny as if i go get him and yeah work me way down to that log just on dark i was like all right here we go first cast in there just belted it and you hooked him yeah hook, probably hooked I've got all the buff on um, on camera. It's a good buff. Had him on and, yeah, just spat it. That would have hurt even more than a normal one, like just a random yeah. one. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Wow. That's funny as. So other than that, you haven't had much action? No, nah, that was pretty much my first session out on the Bidgey for a long time. And that was right I only when it dropped a little bit? Yeah, well, that was above the weir, so I didn't, I didn't even get down below when it dropped a little bit, which... It was still too high. Well, yeah. I didn't like it Yeah, how high it was. Yeah. Only reason I went out is because I got the Facebook memory. I was like, oh, I'll go for a quick go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so, surfaces to go. What kind of surfaces do you throw? Personally, what do you like? Yeah, just a 170mm cog cracker. That's um, a go-to. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've gone, tried different ones. And you chuck the cog cracker back on and it always seems to catch fish. And what about, we talked about your favourite hard bodies, what brand and size spinnerbait do you go? Uh, Assassins. So, Assassins looked after me for a while. So, I usually just use the 
one ounce assassins. Yeah, a little plastic. I've, I've gone back to a single Colorado. Um, Why is that the best? You, I, I just feel you can feel it a lot more. Yeah, working. Yeah. And then what about your curious? Because I've started using longer rods. Um, that seven foot mark seems. To, if I could pick one rod now to be a seven foot rod, because it works so well for so many different scenarios. But because that water's quite small, what kind of rod are you running for your hard bodies? And yeah. What are you using? Yeah, all I'm using is a um, Gen Black, so a Daiwa Gen Black, and it's six foot, um, six to twelve kilo. It's just six foot. It, yeah, bang on six foot. Yeah, so it's good for the kayak. Yeah, it's spot on. Good for casting. Especially, yeah, when it's low and you're getting around all the sticks and whatnot. Don't yep. want nothing too big. Yeah. Nice, mate. That's cool. Thanks for having a chat, talking a little bit about uh, the water out your way and keen to uh, see where your winter goes. And I hope I actually see a photo from somewhere <laughs> for you. Yeah. You're safe. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Have you, um, does traveling, does like getting on the road and going on a big trip somewhere is that something that interests you at all or is your sort of more likely to sort of stick around home even if the conditions aren't so good? Because you said you were kind of keen to do a heap more this winter. so Yeah, yeah. well, I probably am looking at traveling a bit more this year. So I think I will find myself getting down to Murray a lot. Um, I've got me weekends free because of no football. So I can usually knock off early on Friday. So I get down there Friday Arvo, set up camp and get up early Saturday morning and fish till Sunday. Yeah. It's a good fun game, so, eh? So much fun. That probably will be the, the game plan would be Murray, I'd say. Yeah. It's so good when you can get away and go for a couple of nights. Nothing beats not yeah. having to like go home that night or even the next day. It's just... Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. So yeah, what are you... Me. Sorry, go again. Yeah, I was just going to say me and Connor, you know, young Connor here. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're planning on doing a lot this winter, I mean him. So And that's that's what you're talking about. You guys are working out more like the river stuff. Yeah, well we were gonna do a lot down my way this year, but not gonna happen I don't think. So I'll maybe try and hit the Murray. Yeah. But we'll see. Cool. Cool mate. Thanks for jumping on. Um I have one or a couple more last quick questions. Yeah. Have you got one no fish worries. that sticks in your mind in particular? You probably already touched on it. Um, from the couple you've mentioned tonight, but is there one scenario, one particular fish, probably from the river, um, unless it is your one from a whaler, but one that just really, it might not be your biggest one, it could be your biggest one, one that you caught like some crazy way, or is there one that like just when you, if I was to ask you what was that one moment, um, is there one that jumps to mind? And if there is, can you tell the story? Start like how it started the day, what happened? Yeah, that, that's a tough one, isn't it? Is it? Um, it's not. There's not yeah, one that jumps to mind. Not really. I, I work pretty hard for me. Um, me first surface cod, like that. That that's a pretty special one. Um, hadn't had a hit all afternoon. It was only an arvo session, but um, that was the one and only hit. Um, probably worked bloody two years of strong surface before I got that one. So. And that come from the BG too, which makes it all that more special. Yeah. Yeah, BG river surface. So I was pretty stoked. And but um, yeah, trying to think. Um, yeah, none really proper stick out. Is there a goal? Have you got a goal? I oh, know. I think I asked you that a bit earlier. But like, yeah, it'd be a one a one twenty. 
That's the just goal. Anyway, or a river fish, 120 river fish. Yeah, definitely river. Well, you won't catch them fish. from the dam anyway. You don't fish them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I'd love to. Oh, I do. I do want to catch a meadery in a creek. So yeah, okay. Like either Yanko or Old Man Creek or something like that. Yep. Have you fished Old Man Creek much? Nah, no. Nah, I fished it once on my way back from Wagga. It was yep. dirty, so I didn't really fish it. Pulled up and it, went on. It's solid work trying to find a meter. I've got a 91 out of it. Um, and I know a lot of people have fished it flat out. There's meters in there. Um, yeah. There's a heap of creeks on the Murray where you could achieve that goal as well. Meter out of yeah. the creek would be epic. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> Have you got any interest in catching a meadery from an impoundment ever? Like, do you think it's something you'll try and do at some stage? Oh, yeah. Def- oh, I'd, I'd make a trip up there for sure. If I had a mate that was keen to go up there and have another crack, it'd be good to see a proper big impoundment meadery. Like, you see the photos of them, they're proper giants. Yeah. <laughs> Scary, some of them. They're, they're yeah. bigger in the rivers too, though. Like, the, Mar- the fish in the Murray are even bigger. All right. Yeah, right. Well, some yeah. of those fish in the Murray are massive, especially down Lower Murray. Um, yeah. A lot of them died in those blackwater events, but yeah. Well, the, 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 oh, the South Australia way. Yeah, but even even not that far. Like the entire Murray's got some massive fish. I guess they're big and the impoundment's just similar to that, but I think the true trophies are that those Murray River fish. They're just next level. Although they're yeah. probably a lot harder to catch than a massive impoundment fish. Yeah. But a meter twenty, do you reckon a meter? Tw- there's, do you reckon? Oh, I know, I know of a few blokes who've caught some good meter twenties um, around Berenbed Weir sort of way through to Narendra, um, and even sort of, sort of just upstream of Berenbed Weir. Um, is do you think it, a meter? You will find a meter twenty in the busy one day. You reckon there's many through there? Have you hooked any and lost any? Oh, I actually haven't heard of any down this way. I have hooked some proper good ones that have straightened trebles, and I've never been oh i got snapped off once back in back in the day probably wasn't running real good gear on a spinnerbait never got the same so you can't really tell how big he was but he's good fish yeah but um yeah i haven't really heard of any like 120s caught down this way a lot around the meter so like looking looking at the fish i've caught i I think i've caught three maybe bang on the meter or 101 102, 103s, 104s. Yeah. Um, up to 110. Yeah. Yeah. Or 109. 109. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd know if they, they just kind of get... They, they'd have to be there. They're getting Ooh, up yeah. around 110. They've got to be there. But, yeah. Um, so, that'd, that'd probably be the goal. That'd be special to get a 120 locally here. Yeah. That'd be cool, mate. I hope it happens for you. I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Cool, Hope mate. Get it all on GoPro. Is there any last things you'd like to share with everyone? Because I don't know if you realise we were doing a podcast. I don't know if you just end up feeling like you were chatting with me, but um, people yeah. will have tuned in and listened and enjoyed the chat. Hopefully, um, is there any any last words of wisdom you've got to share? I know you're only 25, or though that's not too far off my age, but you know you've probably experienced yeah. a bit. Have you got any? Uh, words of wisdom for anyone out there any tips whether it's fishing or just life related that you've learnt along the way that you'd be keen to share I've kind of put you on the spot but I'm just yeah you have I'm, I'm still still pretty much learning myself just putting the pieces of the puzzle together 
What's, um, what's something you've learned that's really helped, even if it's really particular? For example, if yeah. you don't mind, I'll give you an example. Um, yep. I was thinking the other day, and this is something I'm really big on, and I'll probably write a piece on it soon and a few other things, but I'm massive on boat control and positioning, um, yep. and it annoys me when... It's just something I've done since I was young. I've I learned to drive the electric motor with the foot pedal and just from learning from when I was younger about how to position the boat and where to put the boat to fish your lures and if I jump in the boat with someone who can't control the boat properly, it'll do my head in because I know we're not fishing efficiently. Um, yep. There's a couple of people I fish with who nail it and as soon as that, <laughs> I think that makes a massive difference being able to put the yeah, boat in the right spot. That put your lure at the right angle like for you might be drifting or people who use remotes in the rivers i just i don't know you can't do it you just i'm the same i I don't ever take a remote out i'm always foot pedal yeah you cannot do it in a river yes the murray i had to do it on the trip i just went on because my foot pedal carked it and i did not fish as efficiently i missed two fish off top not big but still missed two because i was adjusting the boat um yeah it's just you just if someone can do it, well, good on you, but you cannot do it with a remote. Even in the dam, I would say as if you can learn to use a foot pedal, do because even in the dam, I fish with a few mates who will do like a full cast, right? And the boat, we might be chasing yellows. The boat might drift a couple of meters, two or three meters, like past, say, a twiggy tree or something that you were trying to work and you could yep. you didn't actually work it properly and you didn't take your hand off the remote to... Like you didn't take your hand off the reel because you were winding, but if you did that, you could adjust the boat, but then your retrieve's not right. But then if you don't do that, your retrieve's right, but you miss the next two casts in the right spot. It just doesn't work. And yeah, nah. some people don't realize that. So for you guys listening, just it, boat control is huge. And I'll, and I'll tell you, if you can learn to control a boat properly, especially in a river or even in a dam and work the spot, like analyze the spot you're fishing properly, control the boat properly, you'll catch so many more fish. And I fish with people. i got mates. I know people who are good fishermen, good anglers, but the difference between being good and like catching a lot of fish and making the most of your trips, that's one of the big keys. So that's just, that's an example, mate. And I didn't mean to go off on tangent, but I thought I'd share that. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. So definitely. So how do you go with a kayak though? Because that's, uh, yeah, well, see, that that's probably a big difference there, too. Um, I did just have a paddle kayak, so probably probably the tip I'm going to say is going to come back to this. But um, back in the day, I used to drift up along a log and kind of cast into the, oh, what you say, like, say the root ball closest to the bank where it's a bit deeper and whatnot. Yep. So I'd sit out maybe on the tip of the log and then cast back into that kind of eddy and you'd match a few good fish, a lot of 60s and stuff. But, um, yeah, like my tip, I'd say I kind of stick out wider and pretty much all my good fish come off the tips um, in Love the current. It. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So you were so, sitting on top of them. Yeah, so probably 90% of the time I was sitting on top of the good fish and just banging the 60s that are in a bit tighter. So I figured out after watching a lot of videos, all the good fish were getting caught out wider so now i've got the hobie you can kind of keep your nose into the current and you can just sit off it like it's so much easier and you can just keep your like what you say boat position you can sit out off the log get your cast right in along the top side on the tip 
and yeah, but they. Yeah, that is awesome one, and that is huge. That's something that yeah. I did the exact same thing as what you were saying back in the day. Not yeah. sit on it with a kayak, but I'd sit the boat like nearly on it and be pepper in the root ball, whereas the fish were out wider. Yeah, well, that, that growing up, that's all I used to hear was pod are lazy. They sit in the slow water, right? That's what I kind of started doing. I'd fish in there. And you'd maybe flick a good 80 or something every now and again. But and that made you keep doing it, hey? Because it's like, oh, this yeah. works. Like, they're there. You catch a fish. But one one fellow explained to me that it's it's a food chain. So yep. where where I do catch most of my fish is where the most current is. So one fellow was explaining to me that um, where the most current is is where the biggest fish will be because that's where most of the food's going to come through. Exactly. So he said if there's a few good fish on a log, the biggest one will be out in the most of the current and then it works its way back in into where I used to cast right in the root ball. That's probably where the 60s are sitting. Yep. Bang on. Yeah. I love it. That's probably the number one lesson for chasing bigger fish in rivers, I reckon. Yeah. So, yeah, the last, most of my good fish now have all come out on that tip of the log. Yep. Because they're also the fish when they're on the tips they're feeding, whereas those yeah. I'll add on. So I'll add on to what you were saying from the fellow you were talking about that told you that when they're feeding they're in that zone, and then when they're resting they go back down and sit deeper, maybe on the root ball, maybe halfway along, but they're not active, yeah. so you rarely catch them. Yeah, you still could fluke them, but yeah, like you said, they're probably rested up. They've had their feed, so. Bang on, mate. I love it. That was a good one. Yeah. That I'll yeah. almost give you the award for, if I had one, the best final tip <laughs> because that's a that's a banger. That's a good one. I, I like to ask that question to everyone, but that's... Yeah, let's change our fish for a bigger cod anyways. Yep. I've been doing, we've done a few demos on that inside the membership and explaining that technique and I've done that in a few videos as well over the last couple of years and it's just changed the way. Not, I've been doing it for a few years, but it just makes a world of difference. Even with top water, same technique. Like I don't even bother with right up against the root ball anymore. It's just yeah, if you yeah. can get it in there, like because we're real wide, if it lands there, beauty. But all I'm worried about is that retrieve swinging across the front of that current. Yeah, yeah. It's same when that when the river's low too, and like there's not much of the log left, and you can kind of see where most of the current's going through. You get big bang by a big cod rod in that shallow meter and a half water. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed for when it happens again, mate. Yeah, thanks. Righto. Thanks, mate. Um, appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Good luck. Thanks uh, for having me. That's all right. I'm glad you were keen to come on. How'd you how'd you feel? Easier than you yeah, thought? Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah. yeah it was just like having a good chat with a mate. That's it. That's it. I appreciate it, mate. And I might get you back on. I like to get people on again. So I might get you back on in the future and see how you're maybe in a couple of years and see how the last couple of years has gone. And hopefully we've got something good to talk about. Yeah, that sounds good. Awesome, mate. Thanks for that. I'll talk to you soon. So easy. Bye. 
And that brings us to the end of another cracking episode of the podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, make sure you tag myself and Jack on your Instagram story or your Facebook story or on any post on any social media platform. You know what Jack's tag is now. Um, he mentioned it at the very start. So tag him and myself at Social Fishing and let us know what you enjoyed about this episode or if you enjoyed the whole chat. And the other thing I'd love to hear from you guys, send me a message on social media or email me and just let me know who you would like me to interview next. I've got a, a list of people that I'm getting on in the next couple of weeks or in the future podcast episodes, but there's people out there that more, I might not even know about. And I know the great thing about uh, the world these days is we have social media. So I'm able to find a lot of these guests that I would never really have found before. I could only, to me, if I go back 10, 15 years ago, I could think about you know, the, the one place I could really think about people to talk about or well-known people is on your magazines. So, any writers for magazines and maybe fishing show hosts or people that have been on videos, maybe YouTube, a little bit of that. But now, we're able to find so many unique, talented and incredible anglers just through social media. So, I feel privileged to be able to bring these people to you, share their stories, talk with them and the opportunity is there because these people have social media profiles and able to find so many great anglers to get on the podcast but there might be some that I don't know about. So if I haven't interviewed anyone yet in particular that you would like me to interview, please let me know. Uh, send me a message on, like I said, social media or via email and let me know who they are and I'll try and get in touch with them and get them on for an episode. I know there's so many more people out there who have an incredible story to tell. They've all had different experiences and we've got something to learn from every single person and that's why I get on so many different unique anglers to interview on the podcast so that we can learn something from them. I learn every single time. Every single time I sit down and have a chat, um, just like them with Jack, I'm always learning and I hope you guys are learning plenty from them as well. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, if you are looking for more, if you're looking to take your fishing from where it is now to the next level, if you want to learn a different technique, if you want to learn how to catch or if you want to catch a bigger fish, it's not just quite not getting there and you're trying to catch that bigger cod, you want to learn how to chase golden perch in particular, maybe in impoundments, you want to learn how to chase trout, if you want to learn anything about freshwater fishing, we have something for you, whether it's any of our articles on our website. Like I said, the Freshwater Mini Series. If you have not seen it, go check out the Freshwater Mini Series. We have the Complete Guide Series, which teaches you that next steps when you're getting into freshwater fishing. And then we also have the SF Membership Platform. And of course, we've got this podcast as well, as you know, because you are listening right now. But if you want something extra, if you want to take your fishing to the next level, go check out one of those resources that we have available on the Social Fishing website. So all you do is type in Social Fishing com.com.au and start exploring today. If you have any questions for me, you can send me an email direct at reese at socialfishing.com.au. I'll get your email and I'll be happy to help you out. Anyway, guys, that is enough from me for this episode. I will be back soon with another chat, another incredible angler doing another interview and talking about another experience and different part of the world. That's it for me this time, guys. My name is Reese Creed and you've been listening to the Social Fishing Podcast.